Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Good morning. Hey, it's great to see your smiling faces. And uh, my name is John Adams, lead pastor here at The Vine, and we want to welcome you who are here present. And then those of you who are online, thank you for being here. And we're so glad to worship together. Isn't it beautiful to worship together and be a part of this family of God in worship of our God? You know, as we, uh, as we start this new year, we're going to start a new series called Prepare to Flourish. Because we need to flourish, in, especially in these days and the many hard things we're facing just all around us. We need God's help. And, um, you know, yesterday as we were having dinner, we had my dad over. He's 87 years old and he comes over, you know, a few times a week for dinner. And Lizanne is, cooks these great meals for us. And as he came in uh, yesterday, I could see his, his eyes were a little bit misty. And I said, Dad, are you okay? I thought something might be wrong with him. You know, he lives alone now. And his wife's been, you know, with the Lord for about a year. Uh, and, and so I just talking with him. He goes, no, John, nothing's wrong. I was just reading scripture. He had, happened to be in the book of Acts. And he said, it just made me weep. And my dad was just sharing with me a little bit of the passage that he was reading. And it was so beautiful, guys, what God's word, how it can meet us and change us. And has God's word ever made you weep? You know, and and that's not to put any guilt or condemnation on anyone. But is it coming to the place where it's changing and meeting our mind, our heart, and our actions? where the Word of God is actually transforming us. And so we're going to be looking over the the weeks to come at at Mark chapters 8 through 10. We're going to be teaching through this using comma and teaching you how to study the Bible. And may it not just cause you to weep, but may it change your life, God's Word, right? And Mark's gospel is just a beautiful gospel. Let me give you a little background of, about Mark's gospel before we begin our study of our passage. It's, first of all, Mark is distinctly Roman in its vantage point. It, he, he wrote to mostly Gentiles. And as we saw the last few weeks, that Matthew's gospel was mostly to a, to a Jewish crowd. Mark's gospel is fast-paced. It's, it's only 16 little chapters, and it's full of miracles, and it has a lot of focus on Jesus, the, the, the servant Messiah who comes. And, and this gospel constantly asks in dramatic fashion, who is this Jesus? And, and so uh, the author, John Mark, is his full name. I kind of like the name John. It, it actually means the grace of God. How about that? But the second name, Mark, is, means the hammer. So this, here's a guy, the grace of God, who brings the hammer. So it's, it's interesting, though, as you think about this hammer guy, that, that uh, he had spent time with another hammer personality. His name was Peter, the apostle. And he, John Mark got most of his information to write this gospel because he wasn't one of the original 12 He wasn't with Jesus, but he got his information and stories from Peter the Apostle. 
And there he writes, Mark, John Mark writes this incredible gospel story. And what's interesting about this is this, is, is that John Mark, he, his faith wasn't that strong. I mean, he, he, the first thing we see in, in Mark 14, 51 through 52, that he was that young man who ran away when Jesus was arrested. He deserted Jesus. And then uh, later on, when he's traveling in the first missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, he deserts them too. I mean, this guy struggled with faith. Any of you struggle with faith? Well, you're in good crowd because as God changed Mark's life, he wants to change your life. And will you receive it? Will you be open to it? See, that's the issue. And so today we're coming to God's holy word and we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse number 1. And if you have your Bibles or handhelds, please uh, pull them out. It's important to see God's word in context, especially as we study through his word. Now I want to remind you, this is God's holy word. May it have authority over all our lives. Mark chapter 8. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said to these also shall have, should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Del Mantutha. This is God's gracious, precious, holy word. You see, um, I don't know if you all have a mentor, but uh, in our church, if you're here for a while, we want you to all to have a mentor. It's good to have one. And I even have a mentor. His name's Thad. And, and Thad has told me this about this story from John chapter 8, this. He says, if you've got it, give it. If you don't, you won't. Let me say it again. If you've got it, give it. But if you don't, you won't. And he talks about, Thad talks about, referred me to Matthew 10, verse 8, where Jesus also says, freely you have received, freely give. You see, from this passage today, we're going to see three life-changing things Jesus wants to give you so you can give it to others. It's compassion, 
his abundance, and his mission. So first of all, let's look at his compassion. Again, this story takes place in the Decapolis, the Gentile area. It's the side of the Sea of Galilee that was not liked by the Jewish people. And and we know that there was another feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6. It was a completely different story. It was on the other side with the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee. And here, uh, and people were, had a strong desire to hear Jesus teach. And we see in verse 3 that, that they had traveled long distances to come to this, verse 4, desolate place. It was really a hard place to get to. But they came because they were hungry to hear from Jesus. And we see in verse 2 that this word that it says, and Jesus said as he saw the crowds, he says, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and nothing to eat. Now, uh, each week, we try to keep my sermon to about 28 minutes. Imagine if you came here and I preached for three days and I said, you can't leave and there's nothing for you to eat. This is the situation. These people, guys, are hungry for God, not just to do a religious checkoff. They wanted to come to know the living God. Jesus is the living bread. He said it himself in John 6. They were hungry to know God. Are you hungry in that way? Are we desirous to know and to experience God's compassion? You see, here Jesus is internally moved, which leads him not just to an emotional response, but to action. He's compassion in action. And and this story, as well as the feeding of the 5,000, points not just to how you get your bellies fed for a moment, but how you get your life filled eternally. Eternally satisfied? The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23, we read it earlier. I shall not want Other versions say, I lack no good thing. Do you, are you in that place in your life where you are filled up so much with Jesus' compassion that you can say, look, I've got it. I've got, I've got it and I can give it. You see, Jesus' story here in the feeding of the 4,000 points not just to, again, just getting a lunch, but it's pointing to a greater salvation. John 6, 27, Jesus said to his disciples, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. You know, Jesus was glad to supply a hearty meal for a day, but he wanted to give people, and he wants to give you a meal for a lifetime where he will eternally feed you and satisfy you in your soul. And we know that this word, compassion, moved Jesus all over the place. It appears only one other time in Mark's gospel and it appears at the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark 6, 34. And it says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. Jesus had a deep-seated compassion to meet the needs of others. He didn't have to, again, make this up. He was moved. 
He knew God. He was God. And he saw the crowds and he knew he was what they really need. Do you know that what you really need is Jesus? You really need to be filled with this compassion. You might ask yourself this question this morning. Why am I not compassionate now in my life? Am I showing compassion towards others, especially with those who are hardest for me to love? And here's the answer, church. The reason why we're not showing compassion is because honestly, Christ followers, not just those who are not, maybe we don't have it. Do we, are we really receiving Christ and his compassionate for our lives? Because if we do, it will change us. You see, if you've got it, you'll give it. But if you don't, you won't. The reason why some of us aren't giving away compassion is because we just don't have it. And we have to be humble enough to admit that and say, God, I want your compassion this 2021. I need your heart for others. You see, last week, you know, uh, and then we think about, you know, it's all the things. It's not just about going and serving and sharing our faith or doing good works or being religious. Those things are things we all know we should do, right? But sometimes we don't do them because we're not really that motivated to do it. And, and we, we can be busy or we can be consumed with our own need or paralyzed with guilt and shame. Last week, Tim taught about from Matthew 3 that the biggest lie we may believe is that God does not love us. Uh, or we have a hard time believing that God would love us as the, we as struggling sinners like he loves his perfect son, Jesus. But that is an amazing transformation, a truth that every one of us need to hold on to and believe in a hard-to-believe kind of scripture that God loves us the way he loves his perfect son. What a beautiful truth. Are you ready to receive it? You see, if you've got it, you'll give it. Do you have it? Do you have the compassion of God? Then we'll give it. But secondly, his abundance. Look at verse number four. And it says, and his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd and they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also shall be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. You see here, the disciples, their faith is fading. And you know, we all get like that. Here, here there are 4,000 people and they're like, Jesus, what are we going to do? These guys are going to faint. They're going to they're not make it home. And we have no food. What? We're in a desperate situation. We can't fix this. And Jesus says, what does he say? Look, what he, he asked them a question in verse four. How can one, or he says, excuse me, how many loaves do you have? And, and their answer was seven loaves and in essence, 
a few little mealy, measly fish. And here, the disciples are showing us something here, and this passage is teaching us something. We've got to come to the point of realizing, I really don't, I'm powerless unless Jesus takes what I have and multiplies it. Or another way of saying this, and this is what Jesus is saying throughout this passage. He's saying, guys, will you learn this? A little is a lot in my hands. You bring what you've got, and I will multiply it. And I will use it. But you have to first of all know you have really nothing to give. Are you in that humble state where you can realize and acknowledge that in your life? that I have nothing to give outside of Jesus and his life-giving work. So as, as we think about this also, we can get sort of discouraged, right? Because we can think this way. Well, I really don't have anything to give then, John. And so what do I have to offer? And what is life about? And I don't, I'm just sort of spinning a little bit. And, <laughs> and, what Jesus wants us to do is to humbly come and say, what I have, little I have to give, I will give it. Whether it's seven loaves, a few fish, some of your gifting, some of your ability, some of the way that you can love others. It may not seem like a lot, but in God's hands, he will multiply it. I think about in our church, John Shudders. He shows up every Sunday this morning he came in, his car was, he was obviously parked outside. It looked like a huge icicle. And I go, John, are you cold? He says, yeah, I'm really cold. And he comes in and he sets up every week these communion cups. You know, someone has to do that. And imagine over weeks and months and years, John's done this over and over and over again. You imagine how many people have been fed at communion spiritually meeting Jesus because of John's selfless, humble service? You know, uh, in the Bible, Luke 21, 2, it says a woman came with two little mites, which is, you know, just a few cents in our culture, and she gave it all to God. Your giving may not be a lot, but if you give it what he shows you to give, he can multiply it in amazing ways. Guys, and you've been a generous church, and thank you so much. We're going to give you updates in the week, next week about our December giving. But I'm so grateful that many of you know this and believe this. Or um, you are come to this place where you're, you're, you make a meal for someone or you pray for someone. Or how about a timely just showing up and listening to someone who's hurting? You know, you can, someone's life can be changed if you simply give what God is showing you to give. You simply offer it to God. If you've got it, give it. But if you don't, you won't. Do you have the compassion of God? Are you tapped into his abundance? Do you know that when through Jesus, if the body of Christ would trust him as we trust him, we would meet so many needs around us, this world literally would be changed as we are changed. So Jesus wants to give you, give you what he has so you can give it to others. We've seen 
his compassion. We've seen, secondly, his abundance. But thirdly, we're looking at his mission. Now think about the power that Jesus was gaining here. You know, 4,000 people traveled miles and miles to hear this guy preach for three days without food. You think that's impressive, don't you? If you were Jesus, you'd say, this is pretty cool. So it comes to the place where it, we know from John 6.15 in the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus was, was, had just done this miracle and the crowds wanted to make him a king. They wanted to force him to be the king. Have you ever wanted to be the king? Jesus had that opportunity, even though he knew he was the true king. But what did Jesus do? What do you think he did? Mark 8, 9 says, what does it say? And it says, and there were about 4,000 people. What does it say next? Church, anyone? And he sent them away. What? Jesus, why would you do that? This is a terrible business principle. 4,000 people. You've got to influence. And you send them away. You could have preached longer. You could have become their earthly king. You could have gained money, status, earthly power. You could have basked in their praises. You could have been something. But Mark 8.10 says this what exactly what he did. It says, and immediately... He got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmantutha. You see, that word immediately is used throughout Mark's gospel. 39 times it appears. And it's all about the giving the sense of Jesus. Time on earth was short and he had much to accomplish in his few years of ministry. You see, the whole of gospel of Mark, and we'll see that in the weeks to come, is about Jesus on the move, but not just because he was busy or driven, because he was focused on one thing, the mission his heavenly Father had given to him. And what was his mission, church? We know it's summarized in here in the gospel. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says his mission. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And, important and, give his life a ransom for many. You see, here we see his mission was to die for the sins of people. His death was not a tragic accident, but a part of God's sovereign plan. And from the beginning, the gospel of Mark is all moving towards his death and resurrection. 40% of gospel of Mark is all about his death and resurrection. This Jesus mission was one thing. He came to die for people, for the sins of all those who would believe in him. And so that's why he could have mission focus. That's why when 4,000 or 5,000 people would gather, he could just leave them, not because he was heartless, but because he was focused on his Father's calling. Are we doing that? Are we, are we led by God? Are we on mission for God, you know? We first of all, guys, we've got to realize that Jesus, we've got to be willing to receive Jesus accomplished his mission from his father for us. He died. 
He rose again. He's coming again for you and me. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Not just here, but here. Are you, are you knowing that Jesus pursuing you and he died for you? And if you do know that, you'll receive his compassion. You'll receive his abundance and you will, you will be on his mission because he accomplished his mission for you. Do you see this? So what do you do in 2021? Just go get busy? No. I think the best thing you could do is we could be a church to receive God's grace, his work, his compassion, his abundance, his mission. You see, because if you've got it, you'll give it. But if you don't, you won't. So I want to just call you It's our church together today to say, what is God calling you to receive today? One way to know how to identify that is, am I I compassionate towards others right now? Or am I just nasty, angry? Am I bitter? Am I complacent, apathetic towards others? Or am I just focused on me and my mission? See, that's a good way to know. Am I really receiving the compassion of God? Am I living in his abundance? Are you satisfied? I mean, we live in the most, I mean, wealthy county in in, in Georgia, one of the wealthiest county in America's. Most of you that come here are not struggling with food or clothing or having a warm house, right? You're not struggling with getting your needs met. You're not even probably struggling with getting your wants met. But what are you struggling with? Your soul being satisfied. Having real purpose. Having real joy. Having sustainable meaning in your life. This is what you'll get if you receive God's abundant work because his mission was accomplished at the cross. He died for you and me. Will we believe this? Will we receive this afresh in 2021? And if you don't know Christ, whether you're here in person or online, we just want to encourage you. Here's a great moment for you to know. You'll search your whole life for meaning, purpose, value, adequacy, sufficiency. The things you think you really think you have, you won't find it. Only Jesus will satisfy your heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, as we study Mark's gospel, I pray that we will be changed in 2021 by the word of God. And yeah, maybe some of you will learn as you read God's word and open it, and it's so rich, it's so beautiful, it's so real that we will even weep like my dad. But more importantly than weeping or hugging, 
we will receive his compassion. We will receive his abundance. We will receive his mission. And we will give it to others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its powerful and transformative. God, convict us of our sin, of the things, the small little frivolous things we've held on to. And we've made them much more important than you at times. We, Lord, we just pray as a church that we would grow in believing you and your adequacy. Lord, that we'd receive what you have to give us here in 2021 and we'd be changed. Thank you, Lord. And I also pray, Lord, that People here today that I just want to invite you to say, Holy Spirit, control me. That Jesus would satisfy my heart. Will you pray that? If you're a Christ follower. And if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior right now, say, Jesus, I turn from my life. I receive you as God and Savior of my life. And let someone know you've done that. Lord, thank you so much. We praise you and we give you thanks. We glorify you as we come to your table. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.